Burlesque Stripped Down, episode number 11. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Velvet Eau Claire, as always, your guide through all of the secrets and the stories of the ladies and gents behind the tassels. I cannot tell you how happy I am that you decided to press play today. This is a really, really special episode. I am featuring the one, the only, Ruby Jones for one of those interviews that you're going to want to press rewind and listen to again. And really, there's a lot of takeaways. There's a lot of gold in this episode, and I'm really super excited that you decided to listen. Thank you so much for your support and your listening. I really, really appreciate it. This December has been Authenticity Month, and I am feeling really blessed that I have a chance to kind of share some of my thoughts with you as well as, you know, talk to some of these amazing performers and get their thoughts on it. And it's really helping me in my personal path to become a more authentic person. And I hope, I really, really hope it's doing the same thing for you. Last Thursday on our Hot Tips episode, we talked a little bit about defining success, about how important it is to really, you know, come to things on your own and create your own path. And we talked about the difference a little bit between success and goals as well. So um, if you have any thoughts on that or of of anything that we talked about the week before with the imposter syndrome, I'd really love to hear about it. Um, Send me an email, velvet at burlesquestripdown.com, and kind of we can start the conversation that way. Coming up this Thursday, I'm going to get a little bit more tangible, a little bit more um, kind of real life stuff. We're going to be talking about uh, creating a personal brand. So being authentic in how you present yourself as a burlesque performer or a performer in general, whatever it is that you do. But that's enough talking about the future and the past. Let's talk about right now. Right now, we are about to get into this interview with Ruby Jones. Once again, you are going to want to save this episode. Have a pen and paper ready if you're listening at home. Uh, jot down some of these thoughts. She has some fabulous things to share. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Ladies and gentlemen, I am super excited today to have the incomparable Ruby Jones joining us on the podcast. She is one part Las Vegas showgirl, one part Broadway baby, and one part drag queen. She has performed all her life and all over the world. Since her debut, she has burst onto the scene, sharing her special mix of elegant and evocative performance magic while working hard to hone her personal stripper POV. And apparently, if you twist her arm to answer, she prefers the title Burlesque Sex Education Performer, <laughs> with acts which are as thoughtful as they are sensational. Now, Ruby, welcome to the show. Tell us a little more about that and say hi to everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much, Velvet. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, so I guess that I'm I'm really glad that you use that three kind of three ways to introduce me with the showgirl, the the Broadway baby, and the drag queen because that is I think all my acts do have a kind of real balance of different um, disciplines and also those are kind of where I'm coming from. I was a, a music theater kid when I was younger, but also just did dance and and competitive dance and always loved playing with costumes and makeup and things like that. And I'm still doing it, which is great. Yeah. Well, we were talking before the show and you said you do a lot kind of, of a big variety of different things, right? In your life, not just burlesque performing. So tell us a little bit about that. Yes, I do. Um, I'm in rehearsals at the moment and i um, we're going into production next week for uh, a production of Midsummer Night's Dream that I'm in. Um, it's with a, a queer performance collective at a off West End theater here in London. And um, I'm actually playing Oberon. It's got a bit of, though I don't love the term, gender bending. Um, Very nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, and it's um, that's kind of like one of my strings. Like I. As far as Ruby Jones goes, I am Ruby. I'm a, a real, a real live person. But 
Uh, it's been amazing to kind of create Ruby as a persona, as someone who is an actress, and then to then get roles where I'm cast as my persona, basically, as well, or my persona is the one going into the audition. Um, as well as doing the burlesque, I do hosting also, and I work at places like The Box and Torture Garden and Kinky Salon, doing kind of more fetish, kind of kink-based work. Um, and in my daytime job, I do voiceovers. That's very cool. And you're based out of London, correct? I am. I'm based out of London. I'm originally from Canada, from a, a small town outside Toronto, but I've been in London for for almost 10 years. And um, I really love being in London because I can do all those things and more. And um, I also have amazing access to Europe and all the mm. cool things that are going on there and, and everyone who's doing exciting things there too. Like yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I know that you were in Paris recently, um, not too long ago, I guess. I don't know how recently it was. I can't remember anymore. Uh, but working with the Letting Go Cabaret, kind of doing a Save the Ruby Jones uh, show. And I, I missed it. I'm so sad now, especially. Um, but it's, yeah, like you said, London uh, and Paris for me, you know, it's kind of a great jumping off point for the whole rest of Europe. Yeah, exactly. Like this year alone, I've performed in probably... 10 or so countries um and you know that's just possible because of where we are you know you're kind of you're in the in the kind of throng whereas you know of course if you went to america you'd have you'd be spoiled for choice as well but i think it would be um you know take quite a lot of planning and mm -hmm. it's not like oh i'm just gonna go to paris the weekend like i did when i took um my show save ruby jones over there with uh, letting go cabaret it's not it's not as it's easy as all that when you're when you're crossing an ocean <laughs> absolutely yeah i can go to you know atlanta for the weekend when i'm here in, in florida but that's about it I was going to start out with what is the one thing that you are most excited about right now? And I know you mentioned the uh, the Shakespeare thing, which, by the way, I'm super sad I'm going to miss because I remember seeing that when you when I put it on our event roundup and it looks awesome, yeah. just something so unique. Is that what you're kind of most excited about right now? Well, I'm really I'm really am excited about that, and I'm um I have been since I kind of made the decision to around this time actually last year maybe a little bit sooner I kind of felt like I missed playing different characters because Ruby Jones. Um, is essentially, you know, a character. It's a persona, so in a way it's a little bit more integrative of, of myself as a person. Um, but I kind of was like, okay, I want to kind of stretch and explore another person other than myself, and not in a not with any kind of heaviness other than, you know, I, I am a, an actor and I, I love doing that. And that's, yeah, it's been really, really exciting to do that. And actually, I will tell you, I can't give you tons of details, but I can Ooh. tell you that a company in Paris, I believe, okay, so I'm going to say France, but I believe it's Paris, has um, taken on the Shakespeare Shakespeare <sighs> script and is doing a production of it. I will probably come and see them make an amazing their own version of it but that is happening near you sometime oh, that is so exciting i'm gonna have to find out more details on that yeah. once it's kind of released once it's I a little more set in stone i will let you know very cool very cool well you know it's interesting you're talking about personas because of course december here we're talking about authenticity month so it's um we're just talking about you know kind of being real in life in in performing and just true to ourselves um last a couple weeks ago the first week we talked about on my hot tips episodes i talked about the imposter syndrome mm -hmm. and kind of feeling like you know who am i to be doing this i'm a fraud somebody's gonna find me out and they say that even some of the big some of the great actors and actresses even um uh, maya angelou had that feeling of yeah. like they're gonna find me out they're yeah. gonna 
figure out that I'm a fraud. Um, And then we also talked about defining success. And then we talked about, we're talking about some other things like creating your personal brand and such. So how do you find with, with someone who has such a persona and enjoys taking on these different characters, how do you stay authentic in your, your performance journey? Um, I think it really is a process, especially when you're cultivating a persona as opposed to a character, um, about really understanding where you end and where the character begins, or I guess where where the char- the persona's boundaries are. I'll use that word persona more specifically, um, because persona to me is again a kind of it's kind of like a kernel of yourself, kind of like. Uh, a little bouquet of different parts of yourself that get blown up to create this this on stage or on camera persona as opposed to a character which could be kind of like something you you just put on a persona is I feel like not an extension but that's the only word I can think of right now it's it's an extension of a part of your personal expression that gets elevated to be used in performance and I think um, a lot of people it's very natural and from you know you're mentioning other celebrities and things like that from reading different biographies and and different histories of different performers and people who created personas it's very natural actually to go through a little period of time when you're not quite sure where they end and sometimes that gets people into I think kind of dangerous territory and I've been really um, vocal about my um, issues with substance abuse or addiction and mental illness or mental health. And a lot of that came from when I started actually delving into Ruby Jones, like really cultivating and finding out what was it I wanted to explore, what was it I wanted to express. I started to live my life as my persona. And it kind of happened one day that I woke up in a kind of a bad situation and I just thought, wait a minute, this is not me. This, I, I, I don't say yes to this. I, in fact, I say no to this. And I think it's really natural for people to go through that process when specifically cultivating persona because you have to really learn your boundaries. And one thing I say to my students when you are going through these really intense kind of artistic phases and transitions that I think it is really important to be as sober as possible and as clear as possible and to as an artist really cultivate a personal practice to go along with your artistic practice so something like meditation or a really regular bedtime or I only work for this certain amount or whatever it is these little boundaries and borders and kind of check marks you can set for yourself so that you know you're always cognizant in the process. I think that's the thing like with Facebook and all this stuff. I get wrapped up just like everyone else. But it is like a real thing of like, wait a minute, we all like talk about sometimes, oh, I'm having the most fabulous time and I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But actually, we just know it's good promotion. You know, we're actually in a you know, a dressing room that's got one cracked mirror and like dusty floor and like, you know, we're like, maybe gonna have to pick up our own costume afterwards, God forbid, you know, like, we all kind of play with that. And it's like, okay, so when am I like, as far as authenticity goes, and as far as being honest with yourself, it's like, what, what is the part that's promotion? And what is the part that is, you know, reality? And it's very easy when we have, especially as burlesque performers and cabaret performers, we have these kinds of I know and a lot of people have said the same thing to me I it's hard for me to have like a me Facebook and a 
burlesque Facebook. I don't want to go back and forth every time I want to post a different thing. It just doesn't work like that. And so it's really interesting and also challenging for each person to find out how do I continue to engage with people I actually know and mm -hmm. like these different platforms, but also people who I sort of know or people I don't know at all who want to have a little glimpse at at who I am. And I think the other side of that as well as far as authenticity goes and I think is important for performers to decide is like, okay, do you have a Facebook page that is the only place where you interact with people who are fans or who you met once or whatever else and then you have a Facebook profile where you kind of talk about your cat and what you have for dinner and whatever or do you share everything or do you share glimpses? You know, I think as far as me, uh, my approach I guess, it's I don't have any shame. <laughs> I have some shame, but I really work hard to be quite shameless and um, challenge myself in being shameless. And that includes, like, for instance, with my Facebook. Like, I have no problem talking about, you know, say, my anxiety or my issues with depression or my journey with depression, I would say, because I feel like that is part of my brand. Um, you know, Ruby Jones has uh, was actually born out of writing and blogging and I used to do lots and lots of blogging and I was always very transparent about my wants and my lusts and my desires and all these kinds of things and that's become for me actually part and parcel of who Ruby Jones is as a product, a real glimpse at the person behind the kind of behind the persona that's kind of come full circle which I think is is really interesting and and not right for everyone wow Ruby there is so much I love about what you just said honestly I think that our listeners uh, might have to kind of like stop and rewind and listen to that again because so much of what you just said really really resonated I know with me and I'm sure with a lot of people listening as well you know just from um, you know from everything talking about a persona being a part of you that you kind of amplify you know that you or you take these certain parts of you and you just kind of expand on them that's so true and then you know following up with talking about this the, the Facebook the dilemma the face Facebook dilemma. And that's, you know, something for me as, as Velvet Eau Claire, I have had, you know, I've had difficulty coming, like really developing a persona because like you said, it's so much work. We've got, now we've got Facebook, we've got Instagram, we've got Snapchat, we've got Twitter. I can't be logging into 12 different things and logging out and going back. It's too much. <laughs> Way too much. And I don't think anyone actually can, can do the, the, the true kind of back and forth. And that's why I mm -hmm. think it's kind of like, okay, you either, you know, have a page and you say to people, sorry, this is my private profile. You're going to have to go over here. You get the select stuff. It's still going to be great. Or, you know, you don't put as much on your Facebook and you let everyone on, or you just kind of be shameless about it and let everything out. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's just finding out what works for you, you know, being true again, authenticity, like being true to whatever feels right, kind of deep inside. I know some people, People unfortunately don't have the luxury of keeping things kind of together or being shameless as as you so put it yeah. you know because of their their day jobs or whatever it may be yeah. which is unfortunate yeah totally and I, I really appreciate whatever anyone wants to do and I think the one thing about discovering that for yourself is it's not cut and dry you can't just decide oh this is what I'm doing that's the way it is you know you have to try a little bit of each thing you have to kind of you know maybe go say, okay, for three months, I'm going to put this stuff out there, see how I feel about it. And then I'm going to check in and then I'm going to decide, does this work for me and have that real kind of dialogue. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. A big part of being authentic in a lot of different ways is to do those check-ins and to really be continually evaluating, you know, what's working and what's not for you. Sometimes we don't want to check in with ourselves because ourself is going to tell us something we don't want to hear. (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) I think it's really, it's really important. And sometimes the, the, you know, the hardest decisions have the most great, an exciting outcome and, and offerings to our life. So I think if it is a kind of thing of like, Oh, well, I don't want to be out on Facebook. Cause like my mom might find out it's like, okay, go, go for three months and then see how it feels. But then ultimately if yourself says, well, you know, your mom's your mom, but not your mommy anymore. And it's like, you know, make that, make that change, make that leap. If that's what feels okay. It doesn't mean every like moment of authenticity is going to be painless and seamless. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's so important. It's, it's easy, you know, self-reflection is hard and, and it's easy to just kind of avoid it because we know, you know, you know, deep down what you might find or what, what is a possibility could happen. And it's, it's tempting to just avoid that entirely. Totally. Well, let's take a step back a little bit. I'd like to talk a little bit about your journey. Uh, What was the point? I mean, you said you've been involved in theater for a long time. When did you really know that burlesque was something you wanted to do and was right for you? Burlesque honestly was something I kind of came to in a process. So when I moved to London from Canada, I moved here to pursue music theater. Um, I worked here in different kinds of things like voiceover and whatever before I started burlesque. And um, basically I was getting really close to landing these shows on the West End. Um, You know, it was getting down to like, I was one of five or one of three or whatever. I was getting closer and closer and closer. And as I got closer and closer and closer, I thought, oh my God, I do not want this. I do not want eight shows a week, same thing every night, over and Mm. over. This is not what I want. And so I stopped doing any live performance and I I started this blog and I blog a lot or used to blog a lot more about sexuality and sensuality and had this real, to be honest, sexual awakening about myself and about who I was. And then this girl moved in with me who I don't have permission to say her name, so I, I might not, but this girl moved in with me and she was just starting out burlesque and she didn't have any performance background. And she would be in our living room, like, doing this stuff. And I was kind of like, what you doing over there? And, you know, got her, got to see her little handout, like, what is a bump? What is a grind? And <laughs> and uh, found it kind of interesting. And also, I've been dancing for, for most of my life as well. And so I kind of just started helping her with her act and went to shows with her and just kind of started seeing different facets of this art form and watching a few videos and thinking, "Mm, maybe, maybe I want to try this. Maybe, I don't know. And then there wasn't many places in London at that time where you could just kind of give something a go, but there was this competition called Tournament of Teas, which it had like heats all year and, you know, the winners of each heat competed in the final. And Mm -hmm. it was more often for people who were newer or brand new. And I found out that this competition was ending. And so this was going to be like, you know, if that was gone, I didn't really want to have to try and like make something and go out and get gigs because I just didn't know. Um, So I entered and it just so happened that um, the guest performer at this final heat of Tournament of Tees ever was Dirty Martini. 
Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. Who is honestly such an amazing, everyone, everyone knows Dirty, Dirty Martini, like such an icon, such a, mm-hmm. a personal hero of mine as well. And, um, I just gave it a go basically. Um, and you know, Matt Fraser was at that show. Um, fancy chance was at that show. Um, UK burlesque legend, Joe King was hosting the show. Everything was kind of there just like glittering in front of me. And I thought that was, that was fucking great. Now, to be honest, I didn't win my heat, (laughs) but I got offered a kind of off West end, theater show about burlesque and I got nominated for an award and I got some other show and some other show and I just thought well maybe I will I will will try this a bit more um so to be honest my first like six months in burlesque were really slow because I was still like what am I doing with this like do do I want to do this and then the more I kind of did with this one little act of mine and the more interesting and exciting places it took me, because right away I was performing at like super queer events and like kink events and like all this kind of stuff. I was just enamored with the places burlesque could go, the the things it brought out in me and the things it brought out in other people. And so, and by the end of my first kind of year, I had created two more acts and I was just, I was hooked. Great. That's right. Well, it's really interesting to hear, you know, of the interviews that I've done, to hear different people's stories and everything. Some people have, you know, what they say in French, like a coup de food, right? Which is, I probably, my, my pronunciation is getting worse as I, the more time I spend in America, but um, it's like a, it means like a hit of lightning. You know, you have this like love at first sight. They just fall in love. Like the first thing they see, they're like, this is it. I'm good. And then some of us have a little bit, you know, kind of a slower introduction, a slower uh, love affair kind of, you know? And that's the thing. Love affair. I think it's true. Like I have a true deep love and worship of this art form of the industry of the people in it I'm so protective of it like I I'm very fierce in that way and I think in that way it was a true love it wasn't like I just bam fell in love first sight it was like I slowly came to deeply worship this thing Absolutely. Well, that's fabulous. You mentioned, I mean, you mentioned Dirty Martini and some of the other people at that, um, at that first, uh, that first show, but were there any, even before that or after that, was there any particular performer or a number even maybe on YouTube or that you saw in person that really inspired you? Um, I think it was Dirty Martini for me, um, because I, it was interesting for me to see right away, um, two things. One, she is a larger lady. Um, and I, there was this freedom of body. And that was one thing I didn't like about theater as well. I kept feeling so much pressure to remain more slim so that I could like, absolutely, you know, fit in someone's costume from three years ago or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then also it was, I can't remember the name of the routine now, but it's one she does where she's all in gold and she has gold ISIS wings. And, um, it's one of her more, um, kind of classic, even in delivery kind of of acts and what I loved as well is um, I noticed how much dancing she was doing and that was the thing that was what really tied me to burlesque in the beginning because I've been a dancer my whole life and I wasn't getting considered for dance roles on the West End so dance was slowly moving out of my life and I just I couldn't I could not live without it 
I needed dance. I needed it in some way. I seemingly needed it on my own terms. And seeing Dirty doing her kicks and her, you know, her all her turns and everything, I, right away I just thought there's space for so much dance here. So Dirty as a, a kind of someone who is very diverse in body, but then someone who brought a real level of skill and, and different skills, that was really that was really it for me. And that's something that's wonderful that, you know, we can, everybody can kind of bring their own things and develop their own styles and everything. If you wanted to bring dance to it, I've talked to other performers who say they have two left feet, so they don't do much dance and they can do their own thing and really create this very personal, authentic (laughs) form of expression and everything. Yes. Yes. And also I think, to be honest, lots of times I think if you boil down some of the things I do, maybe people would argue it's not burlesque because I very rarely use... So sometimes I don't use any T's, which obviously that isn't isn't indicative of burlesque solely. But other times, you know, it's something that has no humor or is just kind of like a vignette of theater. Um, But I just think burlesque is really amazing because it does allow authenticity. It does allow expression because it's such a actually such an umbrella now. And um, I'm going to take full advantage of that. Hell yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, it's so true. It's so hard to really define. Some people have these very specific ideas, you know, but that's even when I did my very first teaser episode about what is burlesque, I was like, well, basically it's pretty much anything. (laughs) You know, sometimes people take their clothes off. Sometimes people do things fully clothed. I mean, that doesn't, there's no rules really. And so it's really hard, especially talking to people outside of the community to kind of explain what it is, you know, I had a friend of mine who, um, well, and, and there's a, in Orlando, I, I don't know of a lot of burlesque. Please, if anyone is listening and, and it is, you know, based in, in Florida, please tell me about more burlesque because I've been keeping my ears out, but I haven't heard of much even when I'm here. Um, but there is a troupe that does shows at the, um, the lo- one of the local gay clubs on lesbian night, and they do, um, uh, it's Ivy Les Vixens. And, um, but my friend of mine was wondering about burlesque in Paris and, you know, I was saying, well, we do a lot of cool stuff. And she's like, well, I'm not sure. Some of my friends are straight, so I don't know if they'd really get into it. And I said, hold the phone. Wait, what? <laughs> Let's stop this here. Turns out burlesque is not for lesbians. <laughs> not only for lesbians. Yeah, not anyway. solely for lesbians, believe it or not. <laughs> Turns out. <laughs> Well, what would you say um, is one of the biggest misconceptions about you, kind of in general, or as a performer specifically? Um, I think one of my, the greatest misconceptions actually comes from the the power of the persona of Ruby Jones. I've had people consider me for certain shows where I'd have to make like new work or work to match um, a theme or things like that, and I've had response actually. Um, you know, we don't think we can actually have you move ahead because they've seen some of your work and they just don't think you're going to be able to do X, Y, Z. And that has really, really pissed me off in the past or made me feel upset because I couldn't do these things I wanted to do. But ultimately, it was a bit of a compliment about the the kind of um, the, the persona I've created with Ruby Jones and the kind of um, definitive kind of quality of that persona. And... I think as well, I, I noticed that misconception again around this time a little bit earlier last year, and I just decided that was when I was going to kind of pursue characters a little bit more, and I was going to create work that was going to make people go, oh wait, 
Ruby Jones, you didn't take all your clothes off. What, what happened there? Or, um, you know, things that were softer or things that showed more vulnerability because, um, you know, people had this idea of like Ruby Jones, fierce, like, you know, this real kind of hard um, energy. And I kind of wanted to mix that up and realize that misconception was essentially a compliment and also an affirmation of, of what I created as, as a, as an artist through Ruby Jones. So I just decided, well, you know, this is fully within my power. Thank God I'm in this amazing industry where I know where to go and I can bring different things out and people are going to, you know, maybe be surprised at first, but are fully going to support it. And I just kind of mixed that misconception up. So now already within a year, I know people have a different idea of, of Ruby. It's not just this kind of totally body naked veracity it has it has different qualities now too that's a really great perspective on you know to take these misconceptions that people might have about you first of all take them as a compliment because they're not saying anything horrible about you they're you know they are essentially complimenting you and the persona that you did work to create yes and then if it's not if it is a misconception if it's not what you want to portray then to think about how you can adjust it that's a great great perspective to have on it yeah and I just realized like um that people don't see Ruby Jones as a persona. Um, they think that's who I am. And as we, you know, discuss with persona it is authentic to myself, but it is not my whole self. And so I thought, well, if I can share that facet, I can share other things. And, um, I'm very much a believer, even though like my, my spirit doesn't want it sometimes of slow and steady wins the race. So, you know, I just thought I'm going to take some steps this year to kind of, you know, give some different alternatives to that conception because I wouldn't say it's a misconception that Ruby Jones is fierce and, you know, this glamazon thing, but um, what the misconception is is that Ruby Jones is all I can do. Mm-hmm. So now Ruby Jones gets the benefit of, of now being this now multifaceted um, artist, which is great. That's a lot, of, a lot of gold that she's coming up with here. You better be listening carefully, everybody. <laughs> Um, we mentioned inspiration, but do you have a particular hero right now in your life? Um, I well, very cheesily perhaps, but I'm very inspired by my partner who is very much more graceful and patient uh, individual than I am. Um, so that's like a daily inspiration outside of my performance life, and I'm also very very inspired by people like Sidney Devereaux and um, Aquinos and all these amazing performers in New York who are really melding these kinds of public persona with their authentic kind of lives, which are being women who are of color, being maybe people who are different in body or, you know, making their bodies the, the bodies they want to embody. Um, I'm really inspired by our scene constantly and people who are using their platforms in exciting ways. I know there's some people who have real strict rules uh, about their, you know, their profiles or whatever, you know, like, oh, I'll never talk about the fact that I have, I'm sad because a booker might not book me, you know, and it's like, okay, well, that's totally fine that I have no judgment about anyone who approaches uh, their 
their platform that way. But what I'm really excited by and really turned on by is people who use their platform to talk about authentic things like mental health and the need for people of color in all facets of industry and being queer or being fat or being whatever else. People who are really noticing and 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 using responsibly the fact that people are listening to what they are talking about. Um, and it may only be 40 people on Facebook, but you never know what those 40 people on Facebook might do or feel with when you talk about the fact that, you know, this past week you couldn't leave the house because your anxiety was so bad, but these are the things you did instead. You know, you never know what person you're going to touch with, you talking about what's actually going on behind the kind of goddess that you present online. And there's nothing, I think, that diminishes that onstage goddess or um, view of this kind of like real, um, you know, empowered individual by talking about these things that affect us or we live with or we balance day to day. In fact, I think it shows true power. So anyone who's doing that for me is just a, a real inspiration. We've gotten so into presenting something. And like you said, I mean, especially as performers, because we have to think about bookers and promoters and everything. And, and but even just on in our everyday lives, even performing aside, people are so intent with presenting this picture perfect version of their lives yeah. right yes. because you know because everybody else does it and so then it's a vicious cycle yes. you know and there's we've lost so much authenticity and so much yeah reality yeah. in in facebook and instagram and all of that yeah so and i think in a way as well it's it is important to have still some things are that are just for you that are just for you and your partner that is that little space that is private and quiet but yeah, I don't think there's any reason to hide. I think the more we talk about things, um, the better. You know, I'm not going to go into it any length at this moment, but there's a real lot of talk about sexual assault and sexual abuse and and violence and rape in the burlesque industry. And I, I one of my acts actually talks about rape, and and in in the act it talks about statistic of of one in five women are sexually ass assaulted or raped, and I believe that number is much higher. And you know, one person talking about it is giving more people space to talk about it, but is giving that many more people space to even think about it and feel through it and actually have a kind of process because not everybody needs to talk about stuff publicly, but more people need to, or some people need to, so that other people have space to actually feel seen and a kinship and a kind of, of sisterhood. And that's been really intense, but really amazing to witness as well recently in the scene. Mm -hmm. That's a good point as well, because it's not that necessarily that everybody has to go out there and do these socially active pieces. You know, it doesn't need to be, you know, kind of filled with that. And if, if, if doing something a little more glitzy and fun and focusing solely on those are more your thing, that's okay too. But it is important to have some people having the conversation or starting the conversation anyway. Exactly, exactly. That's the thing, like, we we don't want we don't want everybody doing that. Like, obviously, I, if everybody turned around tomorrow and wanted to do an act about their personal journey as a woman and their experiences of sexual assault, whatever, fine, I'd be, I'd be totally supportive of it. But I do not at all think that that is necessary. I think it's necessary for there to be constant dialogues. I think it's really brave and exciting and inspiring when women who, a lot of them just, not just, but just do like more glittery, sexy kinds of sensual acts, but then they're using their platforms to step outside of that and talk about that. And then other people are doing acts that talk 
talk about that and kind of reflect that. And I think that's what's really amazing about the industry. It's so rounded and it's so changeable. But And also globally, we're so affected by each other without even knowing it. And I think um, even though, you know, Facebook is really annoying sometimes, it's really <laughs> exciting in that way as well. Absolutely. I agree. Well, speaking of acts, do you have a particular like kind of act creation method? Where do you find your inspiration for your acts initially? And then how do you go about like kind of fleshing it out into something you're ready to go on stage with? Um, I think they're all pretty individual in a way. My first, I think, four acts, um, which is where my kind of definition as burlesque sex educator do come in, all came about me wanting to talk about different elements of sexuality and sensuality that weren't um, commonplace in a way, um, that basically to kind of create a bridge for people to have kind of, again, those kind of cogs turning about their own sexuality and sensuality. Also a motivation of doing some sort of like global sexual healing basically <laughs> around <laughs> certain issues and topics so originally the acts kind of came out of me thinking about a certain something like for instance one of my most notorious acts which I don't actually do that much because <laughs> it's very messy is a balloon pop about bukkake I saw it I watched it on, <laughs> on your video on your website it's hilarious I love it <laughs> so I love doing that act um and basically that act came about because I was thinking about how do we bring healing and lightness and sensuality and consent and love into acts which are more typically seen as ones that involve kind of non-consent or humiliation or upset or whatever. And so I was thinking about like, well, what is an act like that for me that I still hold this kind of like Ugh, feeling about and for me it was bukkake because when I was younger and like first discovering the internet I like stumbled on this picture of it and I was just so uh mixed up about it I was young and I couldn't understand it and it wasn't in the nicest tone anyway and I had so I had all these feelings I wanted to essentially absolve um, and so I was kind of thinking about that. And then one day I was dancing around to the tequila song. Dun, dun, mm -hmm. da, 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 da. And I just, it just popped in my brain, just landed. You know, what if they yelled bukkake instead? And then that's actually quite fun already. And then the act itself is then this kind of act of where I bukkake myself, but then bukkake the whole audience because all the balloons are filled with icing sugar and water, which semi cum looking substance that everybody gets a little bit of ruby on them by the end of the act and it's this kind of real fun and lightness and kind of conversation starter because half people know what bukkake is and half of them don't but everyone <laughs> still enjo still enjoys it because it's messy and fun but then it's a kind of it kind of makes I don't know lifts that kind of act in a way so a lot of my original acts had that just kind of thinking about women's sexuality more specifically and and where do we need lightness and where do we need to feel freer and since then it's kind of been a more evolution of um, beyond sexuality, things that um, I feel are important and knowing that we have these platforms that we do and um, like my my potty mouth princess act, for instance, uses audio from uh, no hate um, 
campaign that came out, I think late last year, these little girls who are dressed as princesses saying the F word and then talking about feminism and all these other things. Um, I just, it was such a popular video, just these little girls. I just thought, well, I can actually take this a little bit further and, and use it in my piece to kind of talk about how, you know, these are, these are things that majority of burlesque audiences are women so everyone watching can really kind of tune into so it kind of started from sexuality being my cause to you know kind of just growing and being whatever was kind of on my mind or in my periphery at the time basically so long answer there but the short no, answer is great. no I don't have a process <laughs> so typically you usually I mean it, I'm sure it depends but you usually start kind of with like a concept and work your way from there and then find music and costumes and everything yes so unless I'm okay. asked to make something and someone says it's a night it's a 90s event you, you need to do a song from 1991 um, I will basically have have the idea the concept then I choose the music or as I'm exploring the concept I'll explore music and then it goes from there basically so it's usually quite a simple or boiled down um, kind of thesis by the time it gets on its feet and, and just uh, actually f my further curiosity as a dancer particularly are all of your or most of your acts like specifically choreographed like with very specific moves or do you have somewhere you just kind of get up and kind of wing it a little bit um to be honest I, I am a great believer of at least the first three or four times improving most of it I always tell my students like knowing your timing you know like my bra needs to be off by this time my trousers need to be off by this time but I always leave space to just see what comes out and um, I still have a few acts where, you know, I've probably done them more than that now, but I kind of just let it go because I do have the training and I know the music really well. And so I just kind of, yeah, see what happens. Um, as I've gone on to a few more acts that have a little bit more that are maybe longer or that have um, like different moments, then that those are the ones that I then kind of choreograph, but only after I've done them, you know, maybe even sometimes half a dozen times because burlesque and cabaret is so much about, um, you know, that engagement with the audience and, and kind of seeing and feeling their reaction. It's kind of like, then I kind of will collect at the end, these kinds of moments and what worked here and, and what got a great response there and what didn't work and that kind of stuff to then, yeah, put down something more concrete. That's really interesting because I think a lot for, for newbies and for new performers, there's a lot of emphasis placed on kind of choreography and getting this move down and doing this move at this part and all of that. So I, I really like kind of that approach. I'm sure it doesn't work for everyone. Some people like to have more set choreography, but that's a really interesting approach to, again, do that kind of reflection after the fact, yeah. right? To really take that time. And once you're off stage, you're not just done forever, yes. you know, until the next time you do it. You really have to like think about, like you said, what worked and what didn't. Yeah. And also like I have uh, some, I've had some students in the past who are like, I, you know, I'll just walk around or I'll just pace. I'm like, okay, then you need to choreograph it. As you said, it's mm -hmm. not going to work for everyone. But if you're, if you've got a real succinct story, if you've got like a real relationship with your music and it's not 10 minutes long, like if it's 10 minutes long, you probably should choreograph it. Mm -hmm. But you know, if we're talking under five minutes and you've got your moments set in your music, you just get from one moment to the next, you know, keep your chin up, give your air under your armpits, like make sure you've got face at all times and just see what happens. <laughs> I love it. Very nice. Now, 
throughout your performance, you've had a long performance journey and then the burlesque journey within that. Have you had any particular um, just not great moments? Have you had any moments where you were just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing? Mm -hmm. Like what where you've really kind of doubted either yourself or your your journey as a burlesque person or as a performer? Um, definitely. I think it's natural, you know, ebbs and flows, that kind of thing. I'm I nothing is bringing to my mind right away. Um, as far as an example of that, but I would say we in kind of connecting to this kind of like Facebook life. And I think this is, you know, I can't say this is the, the, the case for all global scenes basically, but I know there's a real pressure in London to be like busy all the time, to be working all the time, to be seen here, to be seen there, do that show, do this show. And I just feel like what's the rush you know, mm -hmm. I used to be someone who was really, you know, a girl about town. And, you know, I'd be here, I'd be there, I'd be doing this, I'd be doing that. And I was exhausted. And I had no relationship with myself. And I was stoned all the time. And, you know, I was not really in it. I was just there. You know, my, my visage was there, basically. Um, and now I'm much more about having kind of boundaries with myself and having downtime and having quiet and having, you know, allowing myself to have what seems like a much less glamorous life because I'm not, no, I'm not like drunk, you know, 12 hours of the day and like going to fabulous parties and swirling around London and ending up at the W hotel and la la this and that. But I am healthy and grounded and, and have space of like a kitten and a partner and a quiet house. And then I go and do the fabulous gigs and it's amazing. I travel to other countries, but then I come home and I have a home base and I have a grounding. And I think any time where I would have felt that was because I didn't have a personal practice. I didn't have a space for myself to exist beyond this creation and you know when you're working in character or you're working in persona you have to remember like this is an actual living piece of art and it does it is not designed to exist all the time you know it's nice on Facebook to offer support to people but can you genuinely give something all the time no so maybe just say you know hope you're well and whatever else don't offer everyone your ear don't offer everyone your time uh, you know, always give yourself that time and kind because that's any time I felt that darkness of like, you know, I don't want to do this or I don't want to be here or I don't want to, I don't know where I'm going. It's because I've given myself no space and no time and very little uh, graciousness, basically very little gentleness. And I think it's very easy to do. We want to have the gigs done. We want to get to a certain place. You know, you want to be seen here. You want to do that. But if you're real about it and if you're in this industry for, for realsies, you're going to take your time getting there. That's great advice with being authentic, with developing this real, um, this real internal sense of peace, you know, to develop your, your multifaceted, you know, you can't just, I mean, maybe some people can just go wholeheartedly, you know, into the whole scene all the time, but I highly doubt it. <laughs> I haven't met anyone yet who is 24-7 their burlesque person you know and again like don't compare yourself to other people like just because that person seems to be able to do 10 gigs a week and still go to yoga at 6 a.m and do whatever like that's not you if that's not you mm -hmm. don't aspire to do that you know like do your own do do you and absolutely if you don't know what that is 
take some more time to figure that out. And you're not going to figure that out swirling about town necessarily. Like, have some quiet time and figure that out. Absolutely. Find your own definition of success, your own definition of peace within. Yes, exactly. Well, this next little section I want to do real quick, because I know we're, we're talking a lot, which is fabulous, but I like to do a little section called Pick Your Poison, and I have eight different questions here listed out just to kind of get to know you better, but I only need you to pick one of them. So just pick any number, one through eight. Three. <laughs> number three. All right, I would love to know, what was the last picture you took with your phone? <laughs> um... Well, the last picture I took with my phone was earlier today. Um, my partner and I both have like a real kind of love and fascination with kind of like greasy spoon cafes. And they don't really have diners in, in England like they do in America. They're like kind of stranger and slightly more seedy in a way, which we both love also. Um, so we went there and... Um, coffee's always horrible there um and we they don't really do filter coffee in london but we got filter coffee and it's really funny because it comes in it's like individual like strange ufo filter that sits on your cup they don't make a pot of filtered coffee you get your own little one and i just had to take a picture oh, wow. of it because it was hilarious <laughs> great did it go on instagram too <laughs> it didn't my phone crashed as soon as i took it <laughs> no goodness oh. well it's the it'll be the picture if anyone sees it later they'll be like oh that's the one she was talking yeah. about i'll make sure it gets up there. <laughs> all right well next let's do a quick um quick fire quick quick fire uh section it's called this or that where i just have two different options and i'd love to hear what you prefer okay. just as quick as you can answer okay yeah. Oh, and I always say, you can interpret these in any way you want. <laughs> okay. Just putting that out there. All right. Pizza or pasta? <gasps> pasta. Day or night? Night. City or country? City. Top or bottom? Top. Mm. Mountains or ocean? Ocean. Classic or neo-burlesque? Neo. Comedy or tragedy? Tragedy. Superman or Batman? Batman. Wine or beer? Wine. Sleep or sex? Sex. Heels or bare feet? Bare feet. And lastly, Paris or London? <laughs> London. <laughs> all right, all right. We'll allow it. You have been there for about like, almost a decade. So. Well, and also the town I'm from in Canada is called Paris. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's very nice. <laughs> it's like it's meant to be. Yeah. All right. Well, how do you, real quick, I'd like to, I'd love to know, how do you stay current on burlesque news? Do you have any particular websites or places you like to go to find out the latest gossip or news? Um. Well, I am one of the writers for burlesquebeat.com, and they are great for what's going on in America. So I do check in with Burlesque Beat. They're based out of New York. Also, obviously, 21st Century Burlesque um, is really awesome for different kinds of things. And also, the great site here in London is called This Is Cabaret. And they kind of cover cover more cabaret, not just burlesque. But to be honest, I feel like um, different Facebook groups. There's one started by Diva Hollywood called, like, Big big little burlesque sister brothers kind of thing nobody knows which one it is but yes I we big little burlesque sister brother I think <laughs> something like that yeah we all love that's a fabulous one yeah it's great because you kind of see you know what's going on without too much like um there you can't advertise specifically on that site so it's kind of almost like what are more people more actually up to which I think is really interesting um but yeah those three that I mentioned they kind of cover 
cover a good amount, basically. Excellent. Well, for anybody listening, of course, as always, you can find all those links in the show notes page for this episode, um, which will be over at burlesquestripteddown.com slash Ruby. Now, keep in mind that is Ruby with three Ys. So that is R-U-B-Y-Y-Y. Yes, yes. Can I ask, where did the three Ys come from, by the way? Um, it is it is a longer story, but the, the, the short answer is it is energetic. And also, when I chose my name, I wanted one that could appear in a film credit and not look too strange. I didn't want, like, Kitten Von Sparkle Tits is always my, like, go-to of examples <laughs> of, you know, she might not necessarily win an Academy Award, however, Ruby Jones may. Um, Fair enough. But then with the Ys, um, it comes down to my writing style and also the fact fact that you know then it would be different it wasn't just ruby with one y it was with three <laughs> absolutely cool well maybe we'll have to have you on sometime again in the future to kind of get more into that story and some other stories that you have because this has been a real pleasure yes wonderful um, thank you so much velvet oh it's my pleasure uh, before we say goodbye real quick just how can we um keep up with you kind of get in contact with you if we're interested in learning more Cool. Well, um, on Twitter and Instagram and everything and beyond, it's Ruby with three Ys Jones. Um, unfortunately, Facebook is still a bit fascist, so if you want to be my friend friend, it's just one Y. Um, but I've got kind of Corella DeVille, half blonde, half deep brunette hair. So if you see that floating around on, on a Facebook profile, that's me. You can find me on www.rubyjones.com. It's always with three Ys, and I'm the only one, so you can find me. Perfect. Well, I'm sure that you're going to have lots of people hit me up over on uh, all the all the social media places. And this has been really wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing your authentic journey with us. And I'm sure we will talk to you and see you again soon. Sounds good. Thanks so much, Velvet. Thank you. And there it is, ladies and gentlemen. Didn't I tell you? It's some good stuff. Ruby Jones, some wonderful things to share. Thank you again so much for being on. I'm sure that we will talk to her again in the very near future. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. Um, again, if you want to kind of find some of the links and some of the things that we talked about in this interview, you can go to burlesquestripteddown.com slash Ruby, R-U-B-Y-Y-Y, three Ys on the end of Ruby. As I mentioned, we've got a hot tips episode last week, hot tips coming up this week about creating a personal brand. If you enjoy what you're hearing, as always, please do share with your friends. I've got, um, images up on Facebook or on Pinterest, Instagram, all those good things. I haven't quite figured out Twitter yet. I am just not a Twitter fan. And I'm trying to realize that it's okay, right? I'm trying to be authentic. And my authentic self really hates Twitter. Does anybody else feel that way? Am I the only one? I feel like I'm the only one sometimes. So, and, and by the way, if you are a fantastic Twitter person and have some advice to give me, I would love to hear it because I just don't get it. <laughs> so please do share out with your friends. Let us know. And again, email me. Let me know what you think and uh, how, to, how to use Twitter. <laughs> Thank you all. I will catch you again on Thursday. As always, I really hope that you are taking the time to really stay authentic and stay sexy. Sexy.